Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. All right, a week into training camp. Let's have our first, I guess, training camp uh, podcast. I'm Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with me as well. Uh, Obviously, the Jonathan Taylor storyline will be the main focal point here out of the gate. But I do want to go over camp takeaways so far. I mean, we are five practices in. You You think about five practices, Eddie. That's over a third. I mean, five of 13 of the uh, camp practices. So uh, just one full padded session. Obviously, when you get into week two, you get closer to the preseason opener. You know, As we record this, we're two weeks away from the joint practices with the Bears. Certainly, there are more important milestones at camp. But nonetheless, some takeaways early on to get to. Uh, Eddie, before we hop in, 107.5 The Fan, daily camp notebook recaps, YouTube channels, got daily video recaps, 107.5 The Fan there. Uh, how are you doing, man? Doing well, and I'm still upset that um, I, I told I gave you a terrific idea of a hat of the day on your on your training camp video updates, and haven't gotten one. You know, I uh, almost you know I almost reached out to Days of Our Lives and thought I could get maybe an hourglass Ooh, hat. Yeah, like sends to the hourglass. How are you though? Oh, are the days of our lives? I'm good. You know, I obviously no shortage of storylines and and content to be produced here over the last week, but you know. Five o'clock shadows coming in already. Yeah, I know. We're in mid-season form this early. I I, I really need to shave, but um, it is fun and nice to think we are closer to football. And you know, I'm a fan of football. I'm a fan of Notre Dame. I'm a fan of college football. I'm a fan of the NFL. So, um, yeah, I, I I think that that is something that I'm looking forward to. Obviously, I don't love the off the field stuff, but. It's got to be discussed, and I say let's just hop into it right there. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Jonathan Taylor situation to me, Eddie, is um, it's a soap opera. It's a seventh-grade relationship being played out in front of our lives. Um, it's shocking that it's come to this. You know, you think about a side of the building guy. And as fast as it's yeah, happened as well. Both those things. You know, that it's come to this, the yeah, the speed of it, obviously the public nature to it, both sides are at fault. You know, Ursay uh Ursay um has got to read the room better with that tweet he sent out last week and realize that he's gonna frustrate some people. He's gonna frustrate some people in his own building. And then Taylor's agent, of course, beyond childish with his actions, um, from a social media standpoint. Um but again, Taylor is a is a side of the building guy. I mean, he is a guy that you know, I think I've said it before on this podcast, you know, boy, he just seems like a stand-up individual and and I don't know, is it greed, is it fame? What is it that's all of a sudden changed his tune? I understand where he's coming from. I don't think he has handled it in particularly in the best light either. Um and I think the overarching theme that I have with this Eddie is everything that happens over the next 6 months I will revert back to how does this impact the development of Anthony Richardson? Everything. Mm -hmm. Every decision, good, bad, ugly, on the field, off the field, it comes back to Richardson. And I don't think 
in any way how you can view this and say this is a positive development for Anthony Richardson. Um, first off, it's a very awkward, ugly first impression to make on Richardson. You know, this is not the NBA, but Eddie, if this was the NBA, and let's just compare like Tyrese Halliburton to Anthony Richardson as like, you know, potential future stars. Obviously, Halliburton's gotten to a different level than Richardson has, but if this was playing out with the Pacers, Halliburton would probably look at that and be like, damn, I want out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the magnitude. And I get the NBA's in a different you know, player-type league versus the NFL and, and all of that, but it, it's just a... Um, it, it's quite the negative first impression, in in my opinion, to be putting on Richardson. And again, it's not just all Ursay Bauer with that. Taylor, you know, some of that uh, is at fault, too. Um, the curveball of the injury certainly uh, has to be address the he said she said nature of the back injury is something that is an unknown I think in all of this um so I I, I do feel like that is something that um is just a new wrinkle that I don't really know how to kind of view that aspect to it because we don't have a lot of clarity on exactly w- what happened I guess probably my Big theme in all of this, Eddie, is and listeners of this po- of this podcast know this well. What the Colts are potentially doing here and not wanting to pay Jonathan Taylor long term, in my opinion, that is the right approach. If you're starting an expansion team tomorrow, mm-hmm. like if I am creating what I think the Kevin Bowen NFL roster blueprint is near the top, it would be not spending a second-round pick on a running back, not having to face this sort of dilemma of paying a running back this type of money where you're hoping that he stays healthy into the mid and late 20s. Uh, The shelf life of that position just doesn't offer. Let alone trading up in the second round as well. Yeah, yeah, trading up. Ursay highly encouraged Chris Bauer to trade up during that COVID draft. Um, Because, again, how do you create the 8- to 10-year window? That, that, that's my biggest goal in all of this. Well, part of it is don't waste draft picks, major money on guys that aren't going to play for you for five to seven to ten years. And that's where you're at. Because in my opinion, you, you have to have a ranking on positions. There are premium positions. All, all positions aren't the same. Having said all of that, Eddie, we've got to live in the reality of this is the 2023 Indianapolis Colts. And the goalposts do change. They do shift a little bit when you do have a rookie quarterback that only has 13 collegiate starts. Um, I hear Jim Mercer Saturday night bring up the Marshall Falk and the Edron James comparisons. Mm -hmm. I see very little relevance to that in this situation for a number of reasons. Let's go back to Falk. The Colts move on from Marshall Falk, all right? They had Marvin Harrison. They had Tart Glenn. What do they do in the draft right after moving on from Marshall Falk? Draft edge. Draft to Edge and James fourth overall. So right then and there, with Peyton Manning, they still had Marvin, Tart Glenn, and spent a top five pick on a running back. And gave him like six years on the rookie contract, and sure. he had the franchise tag for the last year. Yeah, rookie contracts obviously a lot, lot different back then than they are now. Okay, fast forward to 2006. They let Edron walk. I guess 2005 into the 2006 season. What did they have? They had Marvin, 
They had Reggie. They had Dallas. They had Tarek. They had Jeff Saturday. And then what do they do in the next draft? They draft Joseph Adai in round one. So for Peyton Manning, from year one to year two, they had a Hall of Fame wideout, a guy that was blossoming into a stalwart at left tackle, and then drafted a Hall of Fame running back. Still, while while trading away, Falk. Nine years later, whatever it was, eight years later, as Peyton Manning is pretty darn established in the NFL, they still had two Hall of Fame wideouts, a mm-hmm. great tight end, two annual Pro Bowlers on the offensive line, and then drafted a running back in round one. They made sure the cupboard was more than stuck. We all had that friend, Eddie, growing up. You wanted to go to their house because they had the best pantry. <laughs> the Colts made sure that they had the best pantry for Manning. You walk into Anthony Richardson's pantry right now, it looks like me in college. Ramen and maybe Easy Mac. <laughs> I mean, that that's what it looks like. And so that's where I get away from the... Yes, I know I might be talking out of both sides of my mouth here with this, but I, I want to try and explain where my stance is. I have the overall theme of don't invest majorly in running backs. Don't draft them in round two. But I also have got to live in the reality of this is 2023. This is a quarterback that is in a totally different stratosphere, exiting college than Peyton Manning was exiting Tennessee. You, you can't even compare the two situations. And if you let Taylor go... If all of a sudden Michael Pittman walks in free agency, oh my gosh, Eddie Garrison, rattle off the Colts' skill players then mm-hmm. around Richardson. It's Deion Jackson. It's Alec Pierce. It's Josh Downs. It's Jelani Woods more like, I mean, it is a totally different looking room than what you had around Peyton there early on. So that's where I think you have to have real concern. Because, again, all of this roots back to how does this help slash hurt Richardson, point blank. Um, clearly, the Colts had questions about giving Jonathan Taylor a contract extension before any supposed back injury arose. Think back to Taylor's comments in June. He was not happy then. Nope. Well, seemingly, this back injury arose, what, Tuesday afternoon of report day? Well, if you believe Chris Ballard, he hadn't spoken yet to Jonathan Taylor. Taylor hadn't taken his physical yet. On report day. Because he was he got there late, didn't he? He got there late. And remember when we did the podcast last Tuesday, Eddie? I walked in the studio and I'm like, dude, I just heard a different tune from Chris Ballard. Mm-hmm. I heard a non-committal. I'd rather re-sign Michael Pittman than Jonathan Taylor tune. Non non-committal is a good way to to put it. I heard several times our coaching staff has got to evaluate, our coaching staff has got to evaluate. So all of a sudden, even before this, again, supposed back, which is a he said, she said situation, would have developed, the Colts had concern, which differs from Ballard's comments at the end of last season, Ursay's comments back in March. So what has changed in that time frame? The agent and the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the head coach part I'm curious about. Uh, I've brought up kind of Ursay being a steward for NFL owners with paying running backs. I, I think that is a real statement <laughs> that you have to acknowledge. Um, and then Steichen. You know, when I watch Colts practice right now, Eddie, I see a very college-looking run game. Mm-hmm. I see a very shotgun-driven run game. I see a very modern-looking, tons of perimeter runs. Um, does that fit Jonathan Taylor 
to a T. I mean, these are all thoughts that have run through my head. And I apologize to our audience that I will throw probably a lot of thoughts out there. But that's kind of where I'm at with this situation. It's so weird. It's so shocking to me. The speed of it, as you mentioned earlier, is surprising as well. My mind has been racing, so I'm kind of trying to just let you into like where I've been at. Yep. And agree, disagree, whatever. Um, I'm all ears. Feel 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 free to reach out, which many of you have. Um, but there is just a. It's a lot of unknown. You know, I thought to myself walking away from the Ursay media scrum on Saturday night after the bus. I thought, man. By not wanting to re-sign Jonathan Taylor, you're you're admitting that it's a failed blueprint from Chris Ballard. You don't draft people in the second round to play for you for three years or four, right? And see ya, and you don't win a playoff game in that time span. Yeah. Um, so is that an admittance of a failed blueprint? Is it more listening to Steichen? It, that was a thought I had. Another thought I had, Eddie, was you call up Michael Pittman's agent and you extend him right now, right? Freaking now. I mean, think about it. You imagine going into 2024, going back to what I said earlier, mm-hmm. and there's no Taylor, there's no Pittman in that skill room. What do, What's that message to Anthony Richardson? Jacksonville overpaid, and I say that in quotes, for Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram. Right now, Anthony Richardson would walk to the Jaguars facility to have those guys from Indianapolis, would walk there to have those guys be on his roster in year two based off what the skill group is right now so and if, and if you're Pittman's agent I'm not trying to have an extension made yet no no you, I, no, you, you, no, you have to, leverage yeah you have I mean yes. he, I think he's got all the leverage anyway just because of the Taylor situation and if the franchise tag does end up being used on Jonathan Taylor if they don't have a toll this year on his contract then you're looking at Michael Pittman Jr. as a free agent and he can get whatever number he wants right, right. Yeah, he, he has some leverage, which I know uh, will turn a lot of people away. They don't think Pittman deserves that. But again, welcome to the reality of what you've got roster-wise. You know, Taylor's greatest leverage, Eddie, right now is a historically bad offense around a vastly inexperienced quarterback. I mean, that is kind of his biggest leverage. Um, I guess two things, Eddie, and I feel like I've covered all my Taylor stuff, but obviously feel free to chime in. One is... I don't believe the Colts can play this hard game in the sand of we're dug in, we're not trading you. If he really is not going to be part of your future, and that is your belief, you've got to get something out of him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what a realistic trade, you know, McCaffrey goes for a second, third, fourth, and a future fifth. Hines goes for a fifth and Zach Moss. And, you know, those two guys play on third down. They're obviously under contract. Different you know, players, certainly, but like, what would Taylor go for? Would he go for a third and fourth? Would he go for a second and a fourth? Would he, you know, Jay Query, my morning co-host, thinks he'd go for just a fifth or a sixth? Like, I'm thinking, boy, is it is it there? You know, and obviously, you got teams that are going to have to be willing to pay Taylor, and then obviously willing to drum up some sort of trade package. Can, can he be traded multiple? for a right guard? <laughs> can you get multiple teams involved? That would be the goal. I thought the Ian Rappaport report on Tuesday was a little bit more of like, there are some teams curious. So, if you're the Colts, as bad as it sounds, root for running back injuries around the league, and then you know maybe you would have a team that would be a little bit more interested. I had a buddy ask me if, if that um, Rappaport um, message or whatever yesterday that he gave on NFL Network on the update of Taylor and his uh, draft or trade 
whatever interest uh-huh. was pushed by the Colts, I said no, because if it was coming from the Colts, it'd come from Chris Mortensen. So this either has to be coming from Taylor's agent uh, and his camp, or it's got to be coming from other GMs, like he like he noted. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I would agree w- w- with that. Um, last thing for me, Eddie. I get Jonathan Taylor's frustration. You know, somewhere on the Chris Ballard epitaph, Eddie, it's going to read. Whoa. Well, I, I, I don't mean that like it's happening tomorrow. But well, no, so, that's a word I hadn't heard before. Oh, uh, you know, somewhere on the GM epitaph of Ballard, it's going to say, "I pay good players no matter the position they play." You know, we've heard that Ballard quote several times. And so if you're Taylor, that's where your frustration lies. I go back to Taylor's comments in June. The big talking point Taylor had in June with us was, I know how this organization has operated. If you play well in a rookie contract and you check the box off the field, they reward you. They reward you if you're a running back, like Naheem Hines. They reward you if you are a linebacker coming off an injury, like Shaquille Leonard. Remember, Shaquille Leonard missed the first 10 practices of the 2021 training camp. Signs his extension three days later. He's on the practice field. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's past precedent of paying injured guys, paying non-premium positions, paying running backs, and so that's where Ballard's uh, Taylor's frustration lies. Of I see the cap space. I know it's there. I think it's 19 million right now, and to not even be offered an extension, you know, that's kind of a that's a surprising part. For the most part, Ursay has said like we haven't even offered him mm-hmm. anything. The lack of negotiating to me is a bit interesting. As well, so um, wild, absolutely wild. I think Eddie in the next what seven to ten days, something has got to happen. Something has to happen, whether that is you fielding more trade calls, getting deeper into that potential, or let's think about this: if Jonathan Taylor is going to play for the Colts in twenty twenty three, doesn't he need to get on the practice field here in about ten days? Mm-hmm. Hasn't practiced since the end of last season. Did he practice at all? Well, I guess that's true. Because uh, I guess he, spring. he didn't miss the spring last year, but he, he missed a good portion of training camp last year, did he not? He missed. Right? Uh, I don't remember I'm missing training camp. Maybe I don't have that right. Obviously, he missed. A know, preseason. Oh, no, he didn't miss training camp. It was preseason, I'm thinking he, of. He missed you know, parts of the season. He missed the final three games of last year. So you've got to go back to pre Christmas, the last time we've seen Jonathan Taylor on a football field. So you fast forward to whatever, August 10th. That's going to be almost 10 months. His last game was the Minnesota game. Nine months, I guess. Yeah, so the Minnesota game was what, the 16th or 17th, something like that? Yeah, because it was, what, Dallas? And he exited early, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. in that Minnesota game. So you, it's been a long time for a dude that doesn't miss time. And you know, last year, the whole injury thing was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It was coy, and there were some Thursdays or Fridays you'd get to, and he'd kind of pull the reins back. And again, we have this back curveball, which I don't even know who to believe on that. So I feel like in the next 10 days, we've got to get some answers. It doesn't sound like Taylor is willing um, to chat until he comes off the pup list. So be it. I guess he'll revert to Twitter with that. And I know Shane Steichen's already frustrated with the the Taylor questions. And I asked him one yesterday, and he he wasn't going to answer it. Shane, welcome to being head coach in the NFL. You are the voice of the organization right now. Ursay's not going to talk anytime soon. Fair or not. Ballard's not going to talk anytime soon. Fair or not, you've got an answer to it. And this is arguably your best player, a guy on the side of the building, a guy that 
Shane has publicly spoken about being a critical piece to Anthony Richardson moving forward. And he's not practicing because, I guess, of a back, I guess, of an ankle, and the ankle now has lasted eight or nine months. The questions deserve to be asked. They will continue to be asked, and we'll see the willingness on whether or not they want to be answered or not. Uh, a couple things for me before we transition to the actual training camp practices. Uh, like Historically, when you look at you know Jim Ursay and his involvement in the organization as a GM uh, before he was an owner, you just look at how he's treated the running back position when he's had a top player. We already talked about Marshall Falk and Andrew and James, but like Eric Dickerson is another one that predates both of those guys that the Colts didn't want to pay top dollar to or Ursay didn't want to pay top dollar to. So the team ended up suspending him for missing practices and whatnot. And then he gets injured uh, and then ultimately results in him being traded to the Raiders. And then obviously Joseph Adai signs that contract extension before the 2011 season has his worst year of his career. Then it gets cut right after that season. So it's like historically Jim Ursay has not paid that position. And I don't know if Taylor or Taylor's camp has really looked into that part of it, but I would assume they would have to. Uh, the second part is the tweet that uh, we haven't talked about yet either that Jim Mercy put out last Wednesday. Uh-huh. Uh, the NFL running back situation, we have negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise in good faith by both sides to say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling, quote, bad faith don't disagree with anything in that tweet if i were an nfl agent the last part would piss me off so i i understand why taylor's agent had an urge to say something and and respond i didn't think the first response was that big of a deal from the agent obviously it was aired out publicly but i felt like ursay was asking for it now was it the next day where his agent says, I doubt it, to the Ian Rappaport tweet about, about the if the relationship could be repaired? Yep. And again, I don't pretend to be too deep in the UFC MMA world, but for those that follow it, you know, this guy represents some people in that world. And to say that there is some childish behavior there would be an understatement. So, and, and it's a shame because it's a reflection on Taylor. Mm-hmm. It, it, Taylor has severely damaged his reputation and his character, whether he deserves it or not, based off being associated with this guy. And I guess it comes back to the old saying I'm sure all of our parents said to us of, you know, there is an element of your guilty by association, whether that's fair or not. Um, there is that, certainly in the public light with that. Um, last, last thing I'll say again, I know Ursay's come out. We're not trading Jonathan into discussion, not now, not in October. That sounds good on July 30th. That can't be the stance. Again, if you, if he's not part of your plans, get return. Mm-hmm. Some return. Any, I, I don't care what it looks like. You get some return. And the best case scenario, Eddie, what? You, you get a third round pick back for Taylor and boom, who knows? Maybe you spend that third round pick on a running back and it's insert a third round pick of a running back that's had a nice career. There's a lot of them. So that would be, I think, where you're at from a goal standpoint. Um, Anything else, Taylor, related before we move on? No, I wanted to get into the agent, but that can be tabled just because. um, And And I know we have some Twitter questions, so maybe we can kind of double back once we get there. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. 
all hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Okay, uh, so let's actually transition now into the practices that have happened from Grand Park. Five in the books. Anthony Richardson missed one because of the nose surgery. Other than that, how's the quarterback battle slash competition looking in your eyes? Man, when I heard about the nose, I thought, was that James Boyd that hit him during a basketball game? Ha <laughs> ha! And then, in all honesty, I thought about this because, you know, I we, you know I go to Florida with my in-laws for Christmas every year. I'm like, man, sometimes allergies, you know, you go from the Midwest to Florida or Florida to the Midwest. You've been there, Eddie. It, it can be a totally different animal. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it got worse. The timing of it seems odd. I'm like, didn't they just have a six-week summer vacation? Why couldn't he have done that then? But whatever. He's back to practice. Uh, Shane Sykin's been a man of his word. I think we should start there. The reps have been virtually 50-50. I think it's 42-39, to 39, I believe, the starting reps. Minshew, okay. three more than Richardson. Uh, but Now, how will that change in Week 2? I'm very curious. I think when we did our preview pod for Camp Eddie, or I guess it would have been last Tuesday, I circled yesterday's practice and tomorrow's practice is where we see the first kind of inflection point of the QB reps. So yesterday, I think Richardson, you were kind of making up for his missed day. So tomorrow, that would be Thursday morning. We'll see what happens. Minshew's 80%, uh, Richardson's 54 I mean, that stuff to me is pretty easy to chart, so I think it's a stat that you just need to mention. Uh, obviously, that's a big difference, yep. 80 to 54 um, You throw in the caveats of this setting is much more made for a quarterback like Minshew, who is highly efficient, quick rhythm, been in the system, all those things. And the QBs are still wearing a red jersey. Richardson's at his best when you take that red jersey off. You can let him be an athlete. You can let him create, extend plays. Uh, the big playability we've seen out of Richardson, even in camp. Um, you know, the things with Anthony that, 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 that stick out. Where is he missing, too, by the way? Yeah, I, I think the misses. Or how, how is he missing? I think there are two types of misses. One is, like, timing on some underneath stuff. Like, yesterday, for example, in an 11-on-11, uh, 11 11, Pittman on, like, a pretty easy pitch-and-catch slant and you throw it at like his back right hip. If he's running a slant, I'm trying to picture how Pittman's body was. Pittman is running a slant towards from left to the middle. From left to the middle, and you throw it behind him on that right hip. And I mean, to say he even even hit his hip is probably not accurate. It was probably well behind him. You just can't have that, and that's a miss. The other types of misses we see is just the occasional fastball airmail. Um. I think what Richardson's got to dial in is knowing when to use his speeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, when does it need to be the 96-mile-per-hour ball right between the numbers? When does it need to be a little bit more the lofted ball? Honestly, when he's at his best, Eddie, it's the vertical stuff down the field. Oh, yeah. Great touch, great velocity. I mean, Pierce dropped, I thought, a perfectly thrown deep ball. I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was a couple of days ago now. Um, down the right sideline. Like, that seems to be his most kind of natural throwing. Um, so I just think, in general, it's timing, it's accuracy. Um, I, I just can't stress this enough. You just need Richardson out there to see things. It's not necessarily that you're breaking bad habits with him. Yeah, I don't even know if he played that much at Florida to create like super bad habits. It's just you need to expose his eyes to NFL speed, mm-hmm. NFL defenses, obviously this new personnel – 
all of those things. That's why I feel like the reps are so, so valuable. So right now it comes down to this question. What's the goal in September? Is the goal to win games or is it the big picture lens? If it's the big picture lens, it's Richardson. If the goal is to try to win, it's probably Minshew. Um, but having said that, I still want to see Richardson in some preseason action to see, all right, this element, which you just don't see in a practice setting, is there. And that would be the legs, and that would be um, the, the off-script stuff. Now, it's also worth noting, too, when you talk about your percentages, Richardson has thrown 15 less passes by your accord than Gardner Minshew. So yeah, Minshew's what? 40 of 50, and, and uh, Richardson's 19 of 35. Yeah. It's probably a little bit more run-centric when Richardson is in there. You know, him running it. Um a few more scrambles yeah, from Richardson, you know, kind of his own doing with that. Um, I would think, and I'd probably have to go back and look, I would think for the most part they, they're, they're doing similar periods um, in practice. But, um, again, we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on all this. We had Mo Alley-Cox on the Midday Show yesterday, and we were talking to him about Anthony Richardson and something that stood out. The second thing he mentioned after the arm uh, and the – the ability of him just to be able to you know flick his wrist much like Aaron Rodgers and the ball goes sixty yards downfield uh, is that he's actually a an adaptive learner and he's really quick because he'll he'll say like one day let's say on Tuesday the defense throws something at him he hasn't seen and he makes a mistake and they right. come back the next day or the next practice run the same thing and he you know makes the right read so I think that's encouraging uh, when you're talking about a 21 year old uh, quarterback with limited experience that he does have the ability to learn quickly on the fly and be able to recall something that he made a mistake on that he made a mistake on last time which lines up with uh, what you see on the tape sometimes too yeah and I think a couple other things Richardson before we move over to the running backs it's just I'm reminded that, like he's still 20 and, and just turned 21 you know yesterday I'm asking him like you look bigger. Am I off base on that? He's like, no, I'm up like eight to ten pounds from Florida. I'm at two forty eight, two fifty. I'm like, oh, was that planned? You know, a lot of these guys plan the gaining of weight or the losing of weight. He goes, no, it's just body muscle and mass that my body's just still growing. Uh, it, which is wild. I think to a lot of people think about. But again, you know, when you're tw- Paul George, we, we we saw that here. I mean, twenty twenty one, Paul grew and yeah. like you know, probably more mass and muscle than actually like height. Um, but that is still there. And then the other kind of funny bit after practice yesterday, Richardson's family was there, and they're like dying to get a picture with Gardner. And it's just kind of funny to see that relationship play out. You know, I mean, these guys are competing to be the NFL starting quarterback, and the Richardson family is like acting like it's you and I playing travel baseball, you know, when we're 12 years old and we just <laughs> won't want a, uh, want a tournament together. So I, I thought that was kind of a cute moment. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Obviously with the Jonathan Taylor situation and Zach Moss breaking his arm earlier this week in practice, the third string running back spot is up for grabs and that may well be the starting RB1 come week one, depending on how the Jonathan Taylor situation plays out. How's it looking between Evan Hull and uh, Deion Jackson? Yeah, I I like what Hull has shown. Um, You know, the bummer about Moss going down, and we'll see when when he will return, is, you know, Eddie, he's a first and second down guy. I think a lot of the guys left in the room are not first and second down guys. So, I think that's what you are missing in Moss. Obviously, a contract year for him. He's a new father. He's always been in a rotation if he was going to play a lot this year, and who knows, he, he still might. 
Um, just a bit of a bummer for him. Um, but, I mean, just look at the room. I mean, Deion Jackson's got two career starts, and he averaged 2.4 yards per carry in those two starts. Like, And that's really it. I mean, Evan Hall and Jake Funk and Xavier Woods and Toriano Clinton from your neck of the woods. And yes, sir. UND added to the roster yesterday. I mean, it's youth. It's an experience. Woods was a receiver at Maine and you know, kind of did the hybrid role in the spring, and now he's seemingly exclusively a running back. So... I almost feel like they still have to dip more into the veteran running back market if the Moss injury is going to linger and if Taylor, of course, is not going to be here. We'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, Evan Hall was a guy that I think when we projected rookie playing time back in May, we thought there was a possibility that he could earn that third running back role. And right now, he would be even higher on the depth chart. He seems just like a smart runner. Yeah. And he's... A quick learner, too, when it comes to understanding how things work in the NFL. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way um, to put it. Moving over to pass catchers, it's been relatively quiet in the team drills for Pittman and Pearson Downs. Again, not a ton vertically for them. Couple, Downs did have that one-handed catch, though. A couple plays here. Yeah, Downs did have that. I mean, some one-on-one moments, certainly for them. I've probably noticed Isaiah McKenzie and Brashard Perriman a little bit more in the team drills. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Tight end, Will Mallory's back, and they were really high on him after the rookie minicamp. But basically, it's kind of been a four-man quartet. You're rotating in, you know, Jelani Woods, uh, hamstring injuries, missed a couple days, but your Mo Alley Coxes, your Kylan Grandsons, your Drew Ogletree, so a lot of rotation there. Um, O-line Eddie, the same five for every practice, so that competition at right guard has been non-existent so far. Uh, they signed Dan Skipper yesterday, who had five starts for Detroit last year. Terrific name. Uh, terrific name, to say the least. Big dude, 6'9", 330. Uh, big is probably selling him short there. Large. Yeah, large and in charge. Uh, obviously, you guys have heard me say one of the more head-scratching things this camp, or this offseason, has probably been the lack of depth of note on the O-line. I mean, Blake Freeland, from what I've seen, has been just a right tackle so far in camp, so... Um, makes sense to me that you go out and try and get some depth there. And, I mean, who knows? Some skipper is a play away from could be the third tackle. It could have a huge, huge role for you. A little bummer, Samson Ebukam's only been out there for one practice due to that hamstring injury. No juju yet either, right? No juju defensively. Um, D-line, I like the interior better than I like the edge. But, again, no Ebukam probably plays into that. Um, I guess let's just go quickly to corner before we go back to linebacker. Yeah, no juju. Uh, huge bummer. I mean, there's there's no overlooking this. The guy's missed all 17 NFL practices he could be on the field for. Um, Darius Rush has probably missed a dozen of those as well. And so that hurts those guys. And it helps Daryl Baker Jr. continue to earn a, in my opinion, he's probably your, your, your third corner with Kenny Moore and Dallas Flowers being in the base. Um, I like Jalen Jones. I like the seventh-round pick. I like what he's shown. I think Kenny Moore's. Had a nice start to camp. Um, and then linebacker. To me, probably the biggest positive through five practices, Eddie, is Shaq has been out there for all five. And it's not like he just does individual. He does a little bit more than that. Now, he hasn't done the 11-on-11 in either of the last two, which has been the full padded days, or I should say the shoulder pad days, because Monday they didn't put the five pads on. But um, does he look like an all-pro? I'm not ready to say that. But does he look like the liability we saw on the field last year? I don't think. He looks like that either. So, you know, obviously knocking off that rust, continuing to build up his 11 on 11 work 
will be critical, but I am stunned that we're five days into this and he has practiced all five days. Yeah, which brings my question up. Uh, what's the role for EJ Speed? Which is a good question, and I guess this gets back to the Shaq thing. If he returns, is he still the 100% snap guy? Is he still on the field for every snap? I think EJ Speed's almost earned a rotational look with those guys. So, really, really interested to see how speed will play out. Do they play more base because they want speed to get on the field? You know, that is something that I think you also look at. Um, Sorry, I just chuckle at that. Yeah, I know it sounded a little bit odd. And then safety. Still no Julian Blackman. So, good for Nick Cross. Julian Blackman, very, very vocal out there. Um, but yeah, we have not seen uh, him yet due to a hamstring injury. We'll see if Nick Cross mentally can earn the uh, coaching staff's trust. By the way, how did Juju injure his hamstring when it was a wrist injury that was sidelining him? Yeah, I think even when he had the wrist injury, he was still he like working out or stuff. He was working out. So, you know, it didn't sound like it was supposed to be this long. I mean, again, we're now a weekend of camp. Obviously, hamstrings can linger, but I mean, for him or Rush to earn playing time. I mean, Daryl Baker, dude. I mean, he's been my my biggest probably under the radar, like not obvious name that I classify in the. He has impressed me. A big, big body on the practice squad last year, undrafted free agent, ton of length. Um, fits that Gus Bradley mold for a corner. I mean, there's been a couple reps, man, where he just and I again, I I, I guess it sounds bad on the other side of it, but he just eats up Alec Pierce, just eats him up, beats him to the spot. You know, breaks the pass up. Yeah, all that. Ready for Twitter slash X questions? Nah, uh, there will be, they will always be Twitter questions to us. Let's get into them. JD, so the front office doesn't want to extend guys without knowing what they look like in Shane Steichen's offense. Then Jonathan Taylor goes into this dispute. Why would he pick his timing right now? Could the threat of a proficient pass-catching running back in Evan Hole worry Jonathan Taylor about his future? Thanks, and I love the pod. Boy, if Jonathan Taylor's worried about Evan Hole, we probably should worry about Jonathan Taylor between the ears more than anything. <laughs> Why is he picking his timing now? Because this is the time when extensions get done. Braden Smith got done before training camp. Shaquille Leonard got done like August 8th or 9th, if I remember correctly. And then Quentin Nelson and Naheem Hines both got done just before the start of the season. And clearly, the Colts have said to Taylor, we're not offering you an extension. You're coming off an injury season last year. Right, right, right. And, and I think and that's I the big, st- biggest sticking point, probably. Not even getting into the why. They have said, we're not offering it. So that's why Taylor's reacting in that manner. He feels like that that doesn't make sense. And then to your point about the why. Um, and then there's another element that I want to add on to this, too, so you can expound or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they have that running back Zoom meeting with Austin Eckler, and he's a part of it. Sure. Part of me believes that there's a lot of pressure put on him from that meeting to be the guy that kind of breaks the trend of how teams are paying the running back. Because you look at how the Giants handled or how Saquon Barkley handled that contract situation. He didn't hold out like he said no, he was going uh, to. No, he all. showed up early. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a little bit of Ursa wants to carry the flag for owners and now Taylor wants to carry the flag for running backs. Yeah. <laughs> and when they're both are in the same building, that's not going to end well with that um and look i mean taylor I, there's no way he sits out right i mean the dude has made he hasn't made barkley money he hasn't made zeke money he hasn't made dalvin cook money he's made what a little over six million in his career which is obviously pretty good money but 
4.3? Is that what he's due this year? 4.3 is pretty close to 6. I mean, he's due a big, big chunk of money that's rising in this fourth year. So, obviously, you would think he would play there on that. Um, and what's the finding? Is it 50K a day? Yeah, 40 or 50K a day. Yeah. But I, I just think it all comes down to timing with this and that. This is the time when it usually happens, and that's why that's why Taylor's frustrated. I mean, you brought up – I think you brought up. Maybe I did. Who knows? Leonard. Five know, million, by the way. Len, five million is – This year, 4.3 is his base salary. Um, yeah, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, the Colts, again, they paid Leonard when he missed 10 days of practice. And when Leonard was out – and maybe this is the Colts learning from that. Maybe this is the Colts saying, hey, we paid that dude when he was injured, and we regret it. So maybe that is what this is at, and that's why the Leonard or the Taylor injury situation throws the curveball into this, just because we don't know how serious this is. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Uh, Josh is up next. A lot of the camp pictures of Jonathan Taylor have him doing this act where he has his hands behind his back, and he's watching the running back group with some intentional separation between himself and them. That continued on Monday, but he seemed more involved than the, and the pictures showed. I also get this snapshot of him and Pittman chatting it up. Michael Pittman Jr. was actually even a little late to his individual drill. How much of Taylor's posturing uh, is truly posturing, and how much of it is him doing the best to professionally, quote, participate without actually participating, and does this seemingly good relationships with teammates have any bearing on how this all works out. I mean, teammates have been very publicly praising Taylor. I, I don't didn't expect them obviously to negatively praise him in that light. I mean there's also been moments where I've seen him talking with, you know, players and you know Shane Steichen even yesterday stands out to me. Um you know the McAfee comments were pretty disappointing to hear. You know, for those that missed it, and I'm paraphrasing here, but McAfee basically said that he had heard that Taylor is treating some people behind the scenes in a much different manner than he would uh, normally. You know, there are some other Colts players that I'd probably label as stars. I could see doing that. Taylor would not have been one of them. So, again, that is disappointing. Um, you know, Taylor's probably shell-shocked by this. First off, Taylor doesn't miss practice. So, like, he's probably, I, I think, a bit stunned. I'm not excusing him for that, but I think this is really foreign to him um, with all of this. And, you know, there is an element of you are just a little disappointed. And, okay, greed and fame can impact you. Mm-hmm. And clearly it is impacting him. But I think Taylor is extremely frustrated. And I, I can understand where that frustration comes from. I mean, Eddie, is Jonathan Taylor the best player in the Colts offense? Best. Yeah. Yes. He makes the fifth most money of any offensive player on this football team. That's got to be frustrating. I mean, you are the best player on the offense, and you make the fifth most money. And, again, past precedent has said we extend guys before year four. That's where his frustration comes from. Like, Mo Cox is making more money than Taylor? <laughs> you know, I mean, that. It, I mean, that's where... Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Mo. That's where you have the frustration that you do. 
Adam, could we see Chris Ballard resign at the end of the season, even if or resign at the end of the season, even if there was a quote successful campaign with Anthony Richardson? I feel like Chris has to be completely exacerbated with Jim Ursay publicly throwing wrenches into management of the team and personnel. Jim taking over seems to be a theme of the past couple of years. Uh, Carson Wentz release, the timing of the Frank Reich firing, and now Jonathan Taylor, quote, negotiation. At what point does Chris say enough? I, I mean, let's be totally honest. I, a lot of other owners probably would have already fired Chris Ballard at this point, so I, I don't think... Ballard want to resign. Yeah, I don't think Ballard... I mean, you've, you've built this. I mean, the owner clearly likes you. I, I don't see that happening. It is... And I know all the circumstances are a bit different, but it is just kind of crazy, and it's a state of your franchise, Eddie. And me growing up in this market and then covering the Colts, I cannot recall this ever happening. But when you think about it, let's go back to last October. So in, you know, 10 months, you've had three players request to be traded. Hines, Taylor, and Gilmore. And again, I know all three of them are a bit different in the reasons why they've done that, but like that's unusual. It's unusual for a lot of teams, and it's unusual for the Colts, especially when you're Ballard and you endlessly stress the need to support your players and cater to your players and all of culture, that. culture, all, all those things. Um, it's just the sad reality of where you've been at as a franchise here over the last, again, nine or ten months. It's just, yeah. It's unprecedented. Yeah, very. Uncharted waters. Yeah, for this franchise, without question. And Colts fans, no matter how long you've been following or rooting for the team. If you're the Colts, Rob wants to know, how much does Anthony Richardson's play, uh, how much does he play in preseason games? Is he on a snap count or time limit? And how much should he play? Handcuffs got to be off. Yeah, I mean, you got to throw him out there. And I like that they only have three quarterbacks in camp. You know, Ellinger gets maybe a handful of reps each day. I mean, I, I like the fact that they throw so much at Minshew and Richardson. So I want, and I think they will play Richardson a good amount. I, I don't think they'll they'll treat him with a ton of kid gloves. Would that change if he's the one taking most of the snaps in the joint practices? Maybe, maybe. But again, at that point, Eddie, you, you've only played one preseason game. Yeah. I mean, maybe he blows you away in that one preseason game. But, um, boy, I... For some reason, and I haven't given this too much thought, so I'll raise my hand to that. For some reason, it sticks out to me that he should play two quarters in every preseason game. Just a number that that I'm throwing out there right now, but like that to me seems like a pretty good sample size that he should be playing. Yeah. Minshew gets a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half, and then Ellinger gets the rest. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That seems fair. Because yeah. you can get a two-minute drive in there, you'll get some third Yeah, you can obviously change it up. Yeah. Maybe he starts one game, maybe he does the two minutes and the half, you know, things like that. Yeah, and then you've got the coming out of the locker room at halftime. Yeah, so there's a couple different ways you can attack that. Um, with the Jonathan Taylor stuff going on, Brian thinks, with a Y, by the way, uh, one of Chris Ballard's biggest mistakes was trading Naheem Hines last year instead of Jonathan Taylor. I was on the trade JT idea last year because Hines would be much more effective with Richardson than JT would be. If I agree with that last part, you know, Hines got a lot of chances, and I get the offense a little different. Hines got a lot of chances here, and just, I mean, his yards per carry would look totally different than Taylor's. Uh, I remember looking that up yesterday, or the, the other. Day. Someone brought up the point to me, Eddie. 
how much of this is like the O-line. We can just plug anybody behind the O-line. I think if you look at Taylor's career and like the nine running backs that has, that he's played with that have had whatever, over 10 or 15 carries in a year, I think only one had a yards per carry better than him. And that was last year when he was banged up. I mean, he... I mean, I think there was one year where he had like almost two yards better yards per carry than Hines, and they're running behind the same old line. Um, I, I you know, obviously trading Taylor last year maybe it nets you a little bit more. I think the thought process was you still thought he'd be a part of your future. I, how much is this Shane Steichen? I go back to that point. I know Miles Sanders left Philly after Steichen left, but Miles Sanders in Carolina, mm-hmm. they rotated a whole lot with Miles Sanders. Austin Scott, um, Kenneth Gainwell. Yep. So I, yeah. Um, Tried to trade for a couple of running backs at the deadline last year too. And I, I'm I'm of the thinking, Eddie. Like, I want. I think if you're a Colts fan, you should want Sykin to have as much influence as it appears he is having. Having. Like, I mean, this is his baby. He's fresh eyes. He's fresh. But it's very interesting that like. He maybe is the tiebreaker in this and saying, guys, I don't think we should pay him. Now, of course, my counter to that would be, where are you spending? Nobody you're, nobody you're paying on your roster. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Especially on the offensive side. Yeah. If you aren't paying Pittman. Who are you paying? Ryman isn't doing a while. All those old linemen are under contract for Grover? <laughs> yeah. And, again, Grover doesn't directly impact Richardson. Nope. And to me, those are the priorities that have got to be on the list first. Sammy D says he knows that the ongoing conversation is that running backs are replaceable and you can just throw one in and everything will be okay. Odd timing or perfect timing, I should say, for this question just after what you had to say. I really feel like without Jonathan Taylor this season, especially, we will be terrible. Tell me I'm wrong. Thank you. Has the over-under changed? I don't know. I went on Vegas radio yesterday, so you know, obviously... Um, Certainly a little bit gambling centric. I thought they threw out six and a half to me. I thought it had been at seven and a half. It was at six and a half. I don't. I, I never saw seven. Got it. Um, boy, if you don't have Taylor, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I was talking to somebody in the organization the other day, and they're like, "God, I can't believe that you that you keep on saying you think they could hover around seven. I think they'd be lucky to win four. I'm like, God, isn't the schedule a joke? Six and a half wins. That's the over under. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, if Taylor is done, five-ish, six, maybe. You know, the thing about Taylor, you know, the running backs are replaceable. Yeah, that is largely true, but I just think that home run component to him mm-hmm. is what makes him different. You know, he doesn't obviously bring the third down, but like like him and Zach Moss, I was, I was looking at this the other day. Same draft class. I think Moss has one game in his career – over 82 rushing yards. That was the season finale last year here in Indy. Jonathan Taylor has 22 such games. And it's the home run. I mean, how many times did you watch a game with Taylor and it was, you know, whatever, five out of six runs, one for three yards or less, and then boom, he hits a 32-yarder on you. Or, what, the 60-whatever yard it was against the Patriots? Right. You know, he can turn six into 60. And I think that's what oftentimes can kind of separate running backs, especially with their average. Yeah, I was looking at Zach Moss last year in those final four games, that Minnesota game, and then the three after that where he was pretty much the bell cow. Right. 334 yards rushing in those four games, average of 4.8 per carry. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously the finale was the big one, right? Over 
over 100 in that one. Yeah, because of um, playing Houston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, I don't know how this makes sense. The Colts are three and a half point underdogs week one against the Jags already. Okay. Uh, and they're five point underdogs against Patriots. Wow. Granted, Patriots games on the road, but. Or neutral, but neutral site. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, oh, yeah, that's Germany, isn't it? I guess Cam Robinson being out. Are they factoring that in? <laughs> yeah, they've got that the September game, September 10th line out but, and the November 12th, but nothing in between. There you go. You got to uh, love it. Yeah. Last one uh, today in terms of the Twitter slash X questions is from Tyler. For the pod, does this Jonathan Taylor situation sound more like a Jim Ursay decision to you or a joint decision with Ursay and Ballard? And Shane Steichen. Is this Ursay simply alone calling the shot? What does that do to the relationship with Ballard? Why can't they offer a three-year extension somewhere in the neighborhood of a 11 to $12 million annually? I assume it would be too low and, quote, insulting, but who else are we paying? Front load the contract with a bit of money we have now. This isn't a good look to start Anthony Richardson off with. It would be nice to give him a stellar running back to start his career off with. If Ursay won't trade him, then is he just going to ride the bench all year and we don't recoup anything in return? And what would you think we would get in return? Thanks, Eddie and KB. Lots of questions there, KB. Yeah, thank you, Tyler, for for that. I'll, I'll try to summarize best. You know, the figures that I threw out, I think it was last Friday, we did a show at the State Fair. 13-14? At that time, I said three for 39, so 13. Um, heavily front-loaded, because I think that's what you got to take advantage of right now. You know, Right now with Taylor and or Pittman, try to front-load those deals. And the reason why I said three for 39 with Taylor was three years would put you three years into the Anthony Richardson contract. The first time you make the decision on Richardson is three years in. That's when you decide whether or not you're going to pick up that fifth-year team option for him or not. So that's why I'm trying to kind of align things. That was my thought process then. Um, a lot of people counter with, why don't you just franchise tag him every year? That franchise tag goes up, is it 20% the, as, as you continue to, so, to do that? Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, so like in Saquon Barkley's instance, if he is able to earn the full 11 million dollars right this year his tag next year is going to be around 13 million right and so my thinking is three for 39 while you're guaranteeing more up front you're also staying away from bigger cap hits down the road whereas the barkley thing if they just continue to tag him they're gonna have bigger cap hits down the road and and that's what i think and you can only tag twice you'd be trying to avoid there yeah, so um, that would be where some of my concern lies. Is sixteen? Would you even entertain sixteen million a year? I would not. No, not I, even I, for, for like two years. I, well, maybe. I, I I don't know. Part of me is like Kevin. At the end of the day, it is just money that this organization has and doesn't seem to want to spend. I, I like the third down presence, um, and that isn't there, but. Boy, it's tough for me, Eddie, because I'm such a staunch believer in you don't invest in running backs, you don't draft one till day three, but then again, mm-hmm. everything change. The goalposts change. I know I'm talking about both sides of my mouth, but they have to change when you have a quarterback like Richardson because it's unlike anything. It's unlike anything else an NFL team has tried with serious investment. You And these are the fragile years. I mean, I said it earlier. Walk to Jacksonville to get Zay Jones 
and Christian Kirk and, and a Evan fifth Ingram. round pick for uh, for Calvin Ridley. Right. I mean, you would dream of that if you were Richardson right now, and, and that's just kind of wild to say after they were mocked last off season. You started the pod with saying that there's no positive in this for Richardson. The only positive in terms of grasping for a straw that I can say is that the spotlight on Richardson isn't there right now. I know, but I, I, that's, I, that's I, the I've only that positive. That's, I think it's such a loser mentality. I agree. I, I, I understand it. You know, Jake brought up earlier in the week, it takes pressure off Shane Steichen. If we're worried about pressure on those two, then they're not in the right business. Right. They shouldn't play quarterback and be the head coach in the NFL. Yeah. And as soon as September 10th rolls around, Eddie, we're probably done with the Taylor stuff, one way or the other. And or at least it, it's on the back burner is probably how I should say. And then it becomes what happens in sixty minutes. And how does Steichen look? And how's your quarterback look? Yep. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Uh, let's do Monday. That works for you, Eddie. Yes. Um, let's do Monday. We'll we'll kind of recap the next couple practices and then preview uh, the preseason opener a week from Saturday. Again, wow. 107.5 The Fan. All your training camp coverage. YouTube page as well. Everybody have a great rest of the week.